Welcome, you have found Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And this is our gift to you in this season, an invitation to four weeks of winter reflections. Because while creation experiences winter, spring, summer, and fall, so do our souls. So come and sit with us for a few stories and readings that we have chosen to give you time to process this season as we prepare for the new year. The episodes are a little shorter, the space a little quieter, but we hope these words, brief as they are, resonate with you this December as much as they have with us. Get comfy, friends. Here we go. Here we are in the second week of December, a season full of expectations, And sometimes the expectations reflected on the Hallmark Channel are not the ones we are actually living in our current homes, which is why I am looking forward to this time of quiet reflection in the winter season. And Christy, what helped me in the current season our own family is living through is something you posted on Instagram. From the point of view of a gardener, what winter means, and it felt like freedom and a gift And I think maybe what our friend Ann Voskamp would describe as a hard gift, which are still gifts that we could receive here in the winter season. Mm -hmm. That's true. Yeah, I shared on Instagram, actually on my little garden account, Maplehurst Gardens, sort of my Instagram garden journal. (laughs) I shared on the last day of November that the bulbs are planted, the trees are bare, it looks like the end of the story. But it's only the storyteller taking a deep breath. And it was my intention, Lisa and Joe, I think, to evoke somehow that pause that is winter. But you're right, as a gardener, it is actually quite natural for me to think about winter as a as a necessary kind of barren barrenness, a necessary kind of stillness, a necessary kind of quietness. It's when the garden, at least here in the northern hemisphere, goes quiet. Um, and yet, you're right that our culture's typical approach to the hustle and bustle of Christmas and the holidays is the opposite of that. It's quite noisy and quite busy and quite fast and glittery and um, sparkly and everything that winter in the garden is not. And and so, I'm looking forward to ourselves, but also giving our readers a chance to consider not only the actual natural season we're in, this season of creation, but also are we in a winter, a soul winter or a spiritual winter? Um, Because I think we do as humans move through the seasons in the way that the earth also does. So, I, I hope these reflections will give space for all of us to reflect on where we really are and not just where the shopping calendar or, you know, our consumer culture is telling us we are or where we should be or what we should be feeling. <laughs> but our actual feelings are welcome here. So, the first reading is from a book called The Shadow Doctor by Adrian Plass, and I'm going to read a series of three letters from this book. What you need to know is that the first letter is written by a man who has a terminal diagnosis, and then there is a response and a reply. And if ever there was a series of winter correspondence, this is it. In the beginning, we get character who reads a letter from the patient who is terminal. 
And then the pastor asks him, how would you respond to this patient? And this is what he says. I suppose I might have pointed out how wonderful his ministry sounded, how many people must have reason to be very, very grateful for all the support and comfort he's brought into their lives. I would probably have said that just because you're not conscious of the presence of God, it doesn't mean that he isn't there. I would have assured him that God would answer his prayer eventually, and undoubtedly I would have pointed out that God's timing is always perfect. What else? I I would have promised to pray, of course, worried that I wouldn't. I would have possibly put a Bible verse at the bottom. He heaved a sigh. I, I think that's about it. The shadow doctor nodded and leaned his chair back dangerously on two legs, supporting his weight with a hand on the edge of the work surface behind him. With his other hand, he fished out a new kitchen roll from the cupboard under the sink, regained equilibrium, and threw the roll with pinpoint accuracy into Jack's lap. But what would you say now? Jack burst into tears. Several sheets of kitchen roll later, his unexpected outpouring reduced to a slight sniff he had calmed sufficiently to attempt to answer the question. Now I would tell him that the things he wrote made me cry. I would tell him that I was frightened and panicked by his fear and panic. I would tell him how desperately inadequate his letter made me feel, because I can't think of a single thing to say that comes anywhere close to being helpful. I would tell him that the best I could offer would be me popping around with a bottle or two of something so that he and I could be happily miserable together. I'd tell him I hope from the bottom of my heart that God will answer his prayer in the way he wants, although nobody in the world can guarantee it. I would tell him how sorry I am that he's so poorly and so unhappy. That's what I'd say. True, but pretty useless. The shadow doctor slid another sheet of paper from the folder in front of him. Do you want to know what I said when I replied? This is what I wrote. Dear Victor, My friend, I came very close to chickening out of writing back to you. You have obviously dealt with just about every problem I can imagine and quite a few I've never heard of. In fact, there's nothing I can say about your situation that you haven't said yourself to some poor soul in the past. All the traditional responses are going to sound very hollow. The more I read, the more depressed I became. My instinct is always to look for windows, doors, skylights, air vents, any sort of way through to the merest hint of a beginning of a solution. There usually is one. Not this time. You are going to die. And the God you have tried to serve for so long is simply not putting in an appearance. I can't make him do what you want. I wish I could. I am in the dark and I have nothing to offer except for a willingness to be with you in your darkness in as far as that is possible. I will continue to ask and search for that way through, but I cannot begin to think what it could possibly be. You write very entertainingly, by the way. I'm not patronizing you in the least when I say that I like the sound of the inside of your head. I think I would have enjoyed your sermons. Forgive my helplessness. And by the way, if you would like a short visit, I drive along that bit of the A27 every now and then on my way to Luz. You're only about 40 minutes from us. Yours very sincerely, Doc. What do you think? Doc asked, and Jack shook his head in bewilderment. Well, how did he reply? Doc slid the envelope out of a drawer, opened it, and withdrew a sheet of paper, and a smile touched his face as he silently scanned the first few lines. Looking up, he caught Jack's eye and began to read aloud. 
Dear Doc, I wish to thank you most sincerely for your gift. Regarding your comments on the aridness of my present situation, I must be honest and say that your straightforwardness caused me to weep a little, mainly with relief. Ever since I learned that my days are numbered, specifically or randomly, depending on whether there is a God or not, I have dreaded and avoided those who are likely to offer me human optimism or compassionately fueled words from God or anecdotal indications that all is not necessarily lost. Your commitment to the truth adds some welcome scaffolding to my minuscule store of hope. Thank you for that. And if you have any spare time, please continue to hunt for the items you mentioned in that fascinating list of exits and entrances. I feel quite confident that you would never offer me anything that has not been given to you. And if you really mean it, I would love a visit, however brief. Dare I be vulnerable enough to say that I yearn for someone to hold my hand, just for a few seconds, like that small child I once read about. I need God with skin on at the moment. I'll show you my view if you come. Yours sincerely, and so much less than my name, Victor. Lisa Jo, my reading um, comes from a book called A Child in Winter. It's a book of reflections, a devotional book, really, for Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany, written by Carol Hauslander. And I'm just reading a short selection from one of the early Advent devotionals. When a woman is carrying a child, she develops a certain instinct of self-defense. It is not selfishness. It is not egoism. It is an absorption into the life within, a folding of self like a little tent around the child's frailty, a God-like instinct to cherish and someday to bring forth the life, a closing upon it like the petals of a flower, closing upon the dew that shines in its heart. This is precisely the attitude we must have to Christ the life within us, in the advent of our contemplation. We could scrub the floor for a tired friend or dress a wound for a patient in a hospital or lay the table and wash up for the family, but we shall not do it in martyr spirit or with that worse spirit of self-congratulation, a feeling that we are making ourselves more perfect, more unselfish, more positively kind, We shall do it for just one thing, that our hands make Christ's hands in our life, that our service may let Christ serve through us, that our patience may bring Christ's patience back to the world. By His own will, Christ was dependent on Mary during Advent. He was absolutely helpless. He could go nowhere but where she chose to take Him. He could not speak. Her breathing was His breath. His heart beat in the beating of her heart. Today, Christ is dependent upon us. 
This dependence of Christ lays a great trust upon us. During this tender time of Advent, we must carry Him in our hearts to wherever He wants to go, and there are many places to which He may never go unless we take Him. Friends, we hope you take these reflections into your hearts this next week and spend some time knowing two things. One, in a winter season, you have permission not to be productive, to be sad, and to sit with the weight of the last year. And two, you are invited to carry Christ with you wherever you go.